Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, everyone, and welcome to season two of Quit Your Day Job. I am your host, Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. Have I brushed my hair today? I'm not telling, but probably not. This podcast is all about dream jobs, the ones you wished you had when you were a kid and the ones you pin up on your vision board. I decided to chase after my own in 2020 by taking a series of unpaid internships. I quit my job as CEO of a philanthropy consulting business to try my hand working on Broadway, in fitness, as an art dealer, and in a hotel. And then I wrote a book about it. My What If Year is coming from Zibby Books in February 2023. I am obsessed with the idea that you can turn your passion into your career and that it's never too late to make your dream a reality. So before you decide to quit your day job, listen to my guests as they offer a glimpse into what their worlds are really like behind the scenes. Welcome, everybody, to Quit Your Day Job. Everybody loves a crossover episode. Family Matters and Full House, Golden Girls and Empty Nest, one of my favorites. And I am so excited today for season two to bring you a Zibby Books crossover with my favorite librarian and soon to be yours, Julie Chavez. Julie Chavez is a curious elementary librarian and a graduate of the University of Colorado with a degree in Spanish language and literature. She has written for Moms Don't Have Time to Write and Real Women Write Living on COVID Time. She's also the host of an amazing podcast, Ask a Librarian, which you should listen to this podcast first and then go bookmark after you finish listening. And her forthcoming memoir is going to be published by Zibby Books in 2023. And I can't Cannot wait to read it. Julie lives in California with her husband and two tall teenage sons. And I am so excited, Julie, to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, friend. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have this conversation. I have always obviously loved books, but I loved libraries. I think libraries engender so much love in people. People have so many incredible memories being at libraries when they were kids, going to libraries with their kids or as an adult. So I cannot wait to talk to you about the nuts and bolts of books and what you do. But first, season two, new warm-up sesh. This is going to be our top five. So this is actually the first episode of season two I'm recording, even though it won't be the first one you hear, but a bit of an explanation. We are asking all of our guests for a top five that I have completely selfishly chosen based on information I would like to know from them and put them on the spot to come up with and read. So Julie, we're going to ask you for your top five, and it is the top five kids books that every single person must read. Top five kid books. Okay. I am going to do my best because I had originally 
thought of books that are also for adults. So <gasps> let me think about... Oh, well, I think, I mean, we can no. broaden the topic if you want. No, no, no. I... I love kids' right. books. I'm Pressure's here for kids' books for days. Yeah, I do. I feel a little sweaty. Okay. And also, by the way, I did tell my sister, I think I'm going to have to choose a top five. And she said, oh, why did she do that to you? And I said, I don't know. It's so hard for me to choose books. It's it's very Hunger Games. So well, as, as you know, my husband said to me after, he was like, five's too many to ask somebody to choose. You should just make them choose three. And I had a little <laughs> panic. But you know what? I like a challenge. We're going for five. Five's great. Let's I love do it. it. Okay. So I'm going to say, I'm going to start with picture books. So the first book that comes to mind is The Fantastic Flying Books of Mr. Morris Lessmore. And it's by, the author is Joyce, and I can't remember his first name, but he writes tremendous picture books. And I will go through and send you all the authors because okay. I don't have them in front of me. So Mr. Morris Lessmore, it's a beautiful story. It also has a short film that accompanies it. And it's tremendous. It's just, and this is the thing, I'm going to tell you these books, but I won't tell you too much about them because that's one of the things when I recommend books, I usually just shove them at people and say, here, read this because I want you to have your own experience in reading it and listening to it. So that's one. I read it at the end of the year a lot. It makes a great gift also for kids that are moving on since everyone has 18 copies of Oh, The Places You'll Go. (laughs) So this is maybe a slightly different one that you Excellent. could Excellent. Yes. I love, also there's a current one that's just for fun. It's called Llama Destroys the World. And it's ridiculous. I love books that make me laugh. So I would say those two. What's one I always read every year? Oh, there's one called Purple, Green, and Yellow, which is by Robert Munch. And he is a classic children's author and illustrator, and it's about a little girl named Bridget, and she gets super indelible, never come off till you're dead, and maybe even later, coloring markers. Oh, God. And then she colors herself. Every parent's worst nightmare. It really is. I mean, it's Sharpies on steroids. So, But it's just a fun book, and I love reading it to the kids because they, especially... They have a sense of, oh no, she should not be doing this. And it's really funny to watch them have that sort of, they're always being told what they shouldn't be doing. So to watch a character do what she shouldn't be doing is, I think, kind of empowering for them where they feel like, oh, Uh I know what's happening here Mm -hmm. and it is not good. (laughs) Yeah, this is a bad idea. You might want to (laughs) stop. So I love that. That's three. Okay. Okay. Also, I'm going to bring one throwback, and that's the Bernstein Bears. Oh, my God. I, Favorite. Right? I still will read those. They are the original set, Stan and Jan, yep. are the ones that I have. So Get the Gimmies is a classic. I still reference the Bernstein Bears and Too Much Birthday constantly because I feel like— Oh, my God. I remember that one. Yes. And I feel like birthdays turn children into monsters, and it just happens so naturally. Yes. So Sometimes also adults. Guilty. Um, guilty. Totally guilty. It is true. I, I tend to do the same thing. I really like to make sure that everything's about me as much as possible <laughs> on that day. And that causes a little bit of stress for the other people. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Are My you husband is nodding along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Making the connection. So I love, but I love Bernstein Bears. The only thing I don't like about them is that they're longer. So if you're a parent, don't read them at bedtime because they take forever and then you will hate everything because <laughs> you really want that child to go to bed. Yes. And then I think my last most favorite, this might be my favorite children's book author. His name is Oliver Jeffers. He's 
in Northern Ireland, and he has a number of books. Lost and Found is a beautiful yeah. one, but my favorite is The Incredible Book-Eating Boy. <gasps> and it's about a boy who wants to know everything, and so he starts eating books because that way he can absorb all the knowledge. But there are just some lines in it that are so sweet and tender, and Oliver Jeffers just has a really good touch with the way he writes. It's It yeah. also reminds me a little bit of Roald Dahl, where it's just a little bit edgier and darker. There's one, he has one book called Once Upon an Alphabet, and in it he talks about the character that no one was listening to Victor, and one day he'll make them all pay. <laughs> just is sort of like... Okay. I love, I I love, love the lightly twisted. So... That is official. And confession, I did have adult books prepared. Mm. So those are just my favorites off the top of my head. So I really feel like those are some true, some true favorites. Wow. That but was I don't, great. Well. You thought of that so quickly, though, especially if those weren't the ones you had. Well, the, I, I have the advantage of reading these over and over because I read them to, we have 29 classes at our school. So if yeah. I'm reading them, I usually alternate with the grades, obviously. But a lot of these books, like I have The Grinch memorized. I can recite it on demand. So I have a lot of experience with them. But I do like all of the older classics too, Make Way for Ducklings, some of those Robert McCloskey, oh, so Millions cute. of Cats. Mm-hmm which was the first picture book actually ever published in the United States. So that's an interesting fun fact. Oh, wow. But So we have a lot of those, but I will say what's amazing is the picture books coming out now are stunning. They are so profound and good. So I find a new favorite every week, I think. Well, I had not read most of those, so I oh. am adding all of these to my recommendations list. Even though my kids are 10, they still like picture books, and I always need stuff to buy for people, and so we will make sure to list all these out when we share this podcast with the world. Perfect. So you survived the warm-up. Well done on Whew. that. Whew. Okay. And I feel so, like I need to stretch. Oh, okay. No, no. Um, and also, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll also share a picture of the fact that Julie and I are wearing matching sweaters right now that say author on them, because that's just how we roll at Zibby Books. It is. I love everything about it. I'm here for it. That's amazing. So you are an author, and we are going to talk a little bit about your book, whether you like it or not. But I am billing this episode as a librarian because I said I love I love libraries. I volunteered at the library when I was a kid, didn't buy new books. So I just lived there for many years, and I know that my story is completely not unique and that so many people have had that experience. But when I was trying to think back on my library life, I don't remember any librarians who are like young and hip like you. (laughs) So can you take us through your journey to the library? Yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's a funny story because I didn't set out to be a librarian. I wouldn't have thought that that was what I was going to do. I definitely wanted to be Kathleen Kelly in You've Got Mail. And if I could own a bookstore, I 100% would. But Mondo keeps yammering on about like us not having capital or something. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. I mean, that's, a ter- that's terrible business advice though, because she <laughs> loses that bookstore and then becomes I a children's. Do. She becomes an author. So look, there you go. I do hear what you're saying. Sorry, That's spoiler alert point. for that movie from like 1998 or whenever it came out. <laughs> Sorry if you haven't seen You've Got Mail. Sorry, everyone. If you haven't, there's more to it than just that. Don't yeah, yeah. worry. Still worth it. Still worth it. Yes, still worth it. So basically, I graduated from college. I actually started out as a Spanish major. Well, I majored in Spanish language and literature and pre-health. 
So I was on track to go to medical school. That was my original plan was to become a doctor. And specifically, I wanted to be an obstetrician. So I started out there, but met Mondo in college. And somewhere along the way, I am, we'll get into my issues really early on. I'm pretty, I'm an overachiever. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I sort of came to this place where I knew I wanted to be a mom. I always wanted to be a mom. And I was sure that I couldn't be the type of doctor and type of mom that I wanted to be. And so I had set up sort of a dividing line in my mind that Mm -hmm. that was not going to be possible. And I now know that I think that was way too rigid and limiting, but that's okay. That set us on a different path. So I just had a number of odd jobs really until we moved to Pleasanton. So Mondo and I were married in Colorado. We moved to Portland for three years and then we were in Seattle for nine years. So while we were in Portland, I went to school to become an esthetician Never worked a day as one. I worked at Chipotle for a while. Amazing. Did a bunch of random things. And then we moved here just after I had... Oh, and then when we moved to Seattle, by then I worked at... Oh, I forgot. I worked in the catering department at the Hyatt Regency Bellevue because my dad worked for Hyatt Hotels for his career. So I worked there for a while. I just did a bunch of random things. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, we got to help plan people's weddings and just seeing behind event planning. And I've always loved hospitality. So that was really fun. But then had the boys, stayed at home with them. Mondo traveled quite a bit and we didn't have family there. So that definitely made sense Mm -hmm. for us. And then when we moved to California, though, the boys were moving into school and I really wanted to be part of their universes. And that also was part of when you move in mid-grade like that and you don't have any context for the school or for what's happening there, it can, it just helps to know the, the vocabulary, the, the rhythm of, because every elementary school is so different. Even within our district, we have eight that are, you know, on paper, you would think, okay, they all do things the same way. And they're totally different. They each have a different personality. So I started working as a noon supervisor, which basically meant helping children open their packaging for lunch and telling them, you know, not to do dangerous things and to leave the moles alone. <laughs> Only so one Oreo in your mouth at a time. <laughs> exactly. I'm not giving you the Heimlich today. Lock it up. <laughs> so then when I was there, though, my position in the library became available and the principal at the time and I spoke about it and I was, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I didn't really have an interest to work closer to full time, but I love books. And I love, I just am such, I'm a lover of books. I mean, it's the best part of being an author right now is seeing behind the curtain and how everything gets made. It's just endlessly fascinating to me. So ended up in the library, sweated through the interview, like I was doing manual labor. I mean, just because I hadn't interviewed for anything in so (laughs) long, I just kept trailing off in my answers, but luckily they hired me and that's how I ended up in the library. And in California, in our district, I'm technically a library assistant. I do not have a degree mm-hmm. in library. So the teacher librarians are at the high school level in our setup. And so they oversee like when I make a book list, things like that. But okay. yeah, so I've just kind of learned how to be there and what what we enjoy at our school and what our personality is. So it's where I'm meant to be, which yeah. is a cool feeling. But it's funny also because I really like a neat little 
career story. And I feel like mine's messy. So, Except you're surrounded by books, which I think yes. is amazing. So yes. tell me about, I would say an average day in your life, but I know that that involves many things that don't have anything to do with the library. So tell me about an average day when you're in the library. Okay. And, then, and then we can hear about the beautiful messiness that sits outside of that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Well, that's fine too. So we, I typically arrive at school, open up the library, plug in my twinkle lights because you got to unplug those at night, do all these little kind of mundane things, get everything ready, plan out the day. So we have a schedule where the students visit on a set schedule, collect a lot of books, check in a lot of books, shelve a lot of books. It's the beginnings of the day are usually just kind of tidying things up. I also manage the curriculum for our the distribution of the curriculum. So a lot of times teachers will need an extra math book because, you know, I don't know, someone put theirs in the bathtub or right. whatever oh, random thing. Yeah. <laughs> Print out bills. That I mean, I always do math in the bath, so. Math in I the mean, bath, don't that's all. a great children's book title. We, I'm going to write that down. You heard it here that's first. Gonna be, that's right. That's going to be our next project. Math in the Bath by Julie and Alicia. <laughs> it's going to be great. Bestseller. Mm-hmm. So then students come in. We, I usually give them, we have a read aloud together. I inform the stragglers who hasn't brought their book back. We have a variety of like little incentives. We sometimes, this year we've gotten to sing a little bit. We... Just have a visit, basically. So it really is. They come, they sit down on the rug. I gently remind them to keep their hands out of their nose and mouth and then read the book. We use a lot of novel effect at our library. They're really into that, which is, I got to interview them on my podcast. It's an app that does soundscapes for books, but it uses voice recognition technology. So you don't have to read at a set speed. It's queuing off of the words. So it's setting the sound effects. It's, it is incredible. Every time I use it, it's so cool. So yeah, I read and I do book clubs with our fifth grade kids. So we'll read chapter books and then we sit and just talk about them. But my basic goal, I mean, the, the job itself is fairly straightforward, but I enjoy being with the kids and talking with the teachers and also just trying to make the library a happy easy place to be. So some days that's easier than others, depending on the timing and the weather and just these other factors. These children, (laughs) they're so unpredictable. Oh, God. But yeah, I get to just be with them and check out books, send them on their way. So one thing that I think is amazing, 
about what you do and the age in particular that you work with is that you're reaching kids at this stage of life where their love for reading can really be cemented. And so as a parent, I kind of want to know, like, how how do you do that? Is it just some kids have more interest than others? Or do you find that there's a way to really engage the ones who may be, you know, they may not be lifelong readers, but there's a way you can kind of get them in and get them interested now? Yeah. Oh, I'm always looking how to hook them for sure. That's definitely a goal. I give, I, you know, and you never know how much they're actually absorbing and how much they're ignoring me, but I give a lot of talks about what makes a good reader and how we can become good readers and why we want to be good readers. But I'm really careful, at least in the library, to make that about finding things that you enjoy and that you like, that reading can be a comfort. It can be a gift for you your whole life long. And it's just a matter of finding what you like to read. Mm. Because I think a lot of kids do get stuck in, they read the assigned reading and some of it is stale for them or not their vibe. So my main approach is for, like I said, I do hope that they get some of it by osmosis where Mm -hmm. the library is just a a good sort of association, like, you know, you smell something and think of a memory, sort of that sort of idea. But Mm -hmm. I also, whenever I recommend a kid a book, the question I always start with is tell me something that you liked reading. Okay. And they'll tell me, and then I can go from there because that allows them to have a little more agency in it. Mm -hmm. And sure, some kids are more, but, you know, I am always surprised. Like we have some kids who will pick something up and really like it. The good thing is the more familiar I am with the collection, the more I can recommend them books that I really think they might like. And then giving them the freedom to say to me, no, I didn't like that is great. Do your boys read a lot? Yeah. Oh, this is horrible. No. (gasps) They are, you know, they will read, but they have to get into a story. So really they're not unlike... These kids, so if I can find them the right book, they'll tear through it. Mm-hmm. But they do not sit down to read, nor does it ever occur to them, I think, like, oh, gosh, what should I do today? Oh, I'll read. Yeah. No. So, I don't know. I mean, I've failed them in some way, I'm you sure. You have not. So, isn't that I'll funny? write it down. But I have twins, and so I always I use my kids as, like, a constant science experiment yeah. between nature and nurture because until the point that they – were like, you know, sentient, which took a little while. <laughs> they they did the exact same thing. They ate the same food. They slept at the same time. They We had the same toys in the house, you know. Yes. I have a boy and a girl. And my daughter has loved books from the moment before she could read. She would memorize the stories that we read. She would flip mm. through the books, fascinated, as a toddler. And my son has just never really had an interest. And there are things that definitely pique his interest now that I can kind of get him to read. But like my daughter will find a book that she loves. And then if it's a series, go on girl, like that's it. We're never going to see her until she's read every single book in the series 20 times. And my son will like read, he'll read one and he'll probably finish it maybe. And then he might read a second one, but it's just not his interest. And so I do you know, I, I would love him to read more. Obviously, they have to read a lot for school. And so I know that he's getting he's getting some of it. But I don't think he gets that same joy from reading that I do, that my daughter does. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't think we did anything that differently. So I think you're off the hook, basically. Well, I'm happy to hear that. And I think what's interesting about what you're saying, too, is I do think we all maybe fall into a slight limiting belief where we think if you're not a reader as a child— 
then you're not going to be a reader. Yeah, good point. And life can be long and kids can pick things up later. I mean, and also I think, you know, my boys are constantly in motion and reading is a slower activity. Like it takes some, you have to kind of settle yourself into it. So I think there's still plenty of time and hope for all of them. And I will say reading aloud, we read Harry Potter aloud. Mm -hmm. I read it to them over Mm -hmm. a year and a half and they were all in. So it's, I think the difference too between reading and loving story. Yeah. Right? I as long as they can love stories, I think that that's no, no, really totally what I right. want for that. Totally right. So obviously we hear in the news all the time about books being banned, especially in the US. Does not seem mm-hmm. to happen so much over here in the UK, but maybe it does and I don't know about it. So I'm sure someone on the internet will correct me if I'm wrong. Of course. You know, how do you tread around controversy? Is this something that has come across your desk? You're in California, so I don't, I mean, like, I'm really curious about this. Like, is this something that you are seeing? Or maybe it's the opposite, like, you're putting the banned books front and center. Like, how do you kind of deal with that? I, that is an excellent question because it is a big deal right now. So I was just speaking the other day to Alan Gratz, who wrote a number of books through Scholastic, one of which is Refugee. He's written a whole series. And we were talking, he also wrote a book called Ban This Book. And it's a middle grade book about some kids and how they decide to sort of fight back against this. But what he was saying is there's a couple issues. There are, there's formal book banning, but then also sometimes people will check books out of a library and never return them. So there's sort of like, like intentionally? A, yeah, <gasps> intentionally. So there are a few ways that people sort of try and suppress certain books. I have not dealt with any challenges. So this is my fifth year in the library, and it would be there's what's called a challenge process. If a parent came in and said, excuse me, I don't want that book on the shelf, they would fill out a form. It goes through a formal review at the district level. Wow, okay. So I wouldn't necessarily be as involved with that piece, but could definitely weigh in on what my thoughts were. Mm -hmm. But, you know... What Alan said and what I very much agree with is that a library is different than a bookstore and it's different than the shelf in your home. Mm-hmm. There should be books in a library that you don't like and that you don't agree with because that's an important feature of a library. Mm. And I think what's tricky too is that the books that are being held up right now are really, there's, it's someone's story. And I think a lot of what's being pointed to is so silly. So for me, I do pretty much put them front and center. Like mm-hmm. we have a book titled that's going to be retitled Melissa and that's been put a lot of places. So that's, it's on my display right now. Actually, I set it up yesterday. So yeah, I try to, I try to let the books speak for themselves. And then I let the kids know, you know, no one can tell you what to read except for your parents. So you talk to your parents about this. And my thought is always that, it's everything is an opening for conversation. So my boys have been exposed to a lot, not through books, just through going to middle and high school. Right. But when they come home, that's a chance for us to have a conversation about it. So I think book banning is a slippery slope. And it. I do stand by that where if you go into a library and you think, ugh, I hate that book that's there on the shelf. Well, that's why it should be there because that's what libraries are meant yeah. to, that's their design. I love that. That's such a good point. What do you think is the hardest thing about your job? What is the hardest thing about my job? I think 
management probably in terms of the you have a lot of different personality types with the kids. Mm-hmm. So I think just numbers are our numbers are pretty large. So our fourth and fifth grade classes have 34 kids, 33, oh, wow. I think, in each class. Yeah. And then the younger ones have 24. And so there's a lot of motion. I think the hardest thing for me personally is that I love the connection with the kids. I would love to know everyone's name. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of names, but there are almost 800 kids at our school, so I don't know all of them. But I think the pace of it, managing that and moving everybody through, that can be challenging for me because I love I love slow mm-hmm. and we don't get a lot of slow. Yeah. So trying to <laughs> trying in to an find, elementary school, no. <laughs> yes. That and then the total insanity because some kids, I mean, I'll say, put that book back with the spine facing you, and they will push it in the opposite way. And they're looking right at it. Ugh. And I just think, <laughs> I love you and also what are you doing? <laughs> Lock it up. I'm glad you can think of the I love you part first because yeah. <laughs> that, I, I can't, if I had a nickel for every time I had said spines out in my house to somebody, I would have a lot of nickels. Even in your house? A room full of nickels. Oh my God. For Now they're better that they're older, but okay. they used to just not care and like throw things in there. And I was like, <gasps> <laughs> you're lucky. Sometimes when the kids are at school, even now, I'll just go in and like alphabetize their bookshelves because oh. it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good to do that. It's like very therapeutic. Oh. Oh, absolutely. And that's why a library would be tough for you because they also will take them out and then they'll put them back somewhere else. So you find like, you know, whatever, a 659 in the 900s. And I'm like, do you understand, guys? There are 15,000 books in this library. I will <laughs> literally never find this. Never. I have, I have been known to pull out a book I see in the wrong order and then go find where it belongs and put it back as a lay, as a lay person. Oh, I, I know. you know... You can volunteer in my library. You can come visit. <laughs> I, I will I, allow it. I think I should. I had such a cool experience. I worked on this cookbook for Kinlock Lodge, one of the places that I interned. And I wrote the essays to accompany the recipes in the book. And a lot of them, the family is, you know, they, they can trace their lineage back to Olaf the Red is the oldest oh ancestor goodness. on their family tree. I think it's 20 four generations they can go back. Oh my gosh. And so I was doing some research in the National Library of Scotland here, and I was like holding books that were published in the 1700s and the 1800s, like in my hands. And I was just blown away. I was like, how is everybody in Scotland not here at this library right now doing this? Like, what else are you people doing? I know you're out listening to the bagpipers on the Royal Mile. You should be here fingering these books. It was... I have a unique set of interests, Julie, as you as you know, because you know me. <laughs> I love it. And I agree, though. Like, what a treasure. I just think about that. Because my thought is how those sorts of materials have survived, right? Especially because I'm married to a relentless purger. So there will basically be no record of our existence once we've left yep. this place. <laughs> but, you know, you think about people who have kept that intact for generate, I mean, it's just stunning. So I'm with so you. I would special. be geeking out right Well, there. when you come visit, we'll go to the library. Perfect. You will enjoy it. I, I can't wait. So I did a little bit of research in the lead up to this call. I wanted to know about other authors who are librarians and librarians who are authors. So came up with people like Beverly Cleary, personal favorite of mine, Audrey Lord, yes. Lewis Carroll, all librarians. And I know intimately, because we text about this on a regular basis, that you're deep in the kind of final stages of writing, rewriting, editing your own book. How do you find the time and the headspace to work and write? Do you separate 
those two parts of your life or do you feel like they're intertwined? I wish I could separate them. Oh, that would be so nifty if I could (laughs) kind of have an orderly. I long for like an orderly set of time and, you know, okay, I'm going to write here. But the truth is I, they are separated to some extent just because that's, you know, when I'm at school, that's what I'm doing, but I'm definitely kind of thinking, I feel like so much writing and I don't know if it's true for you, but so much of writing is just thinking Mm. ahead of time so that I'm ready to put it on the page. But most of it is just in fits and starts. It really has been. And especially with the editing, because when I wrote the book, the original manuscript, I started in 2020 and I wrote it in the summer of 2020. So nothing was happening. And also I wasn't in school. So since I've been editing and working on this kind of iteration of the book since September, it has definitely been just get it in where I can. So like on Wednesday, I had school, I pick up Eli, I come home, I did exercise because I discovered that that's really good for my mental health. Mm. I like to discover that and then forget it and then discover it again. And, you know, just be in a constant cycle. I like to look sometimes and see what you've done recently on the Peloton and maybe do the same class. Ooh, I'm so excited. I love it. We can be Peloton friends. We can't except my stats are like a fraction of yours, but continue. Who cares? You're on there. That's all that matters. (laughs) So worked out. Took Eli to a baseball game for our friend, and then we came back, and then we ate in and out for dinner because we're super healthy all the time. Yummy. Mm. Yeah, it is delicious. And while I worked, while I sipped on my milkshake, I worked on the book for an hour while they were watching The Office. And I also don't have an I don't have uh, an office or a desk, so I'm just kind of everywhere. But you know what? Especially with what I'm writing now, it works perfectly. I don't think my writing would be as good if I were holed up somewhere because I'm writing about my life and I'm writing about just how we exist. I mean, this sounds a lot more fancy than it actually is, but just how we exist in this chaos and how we hold all these things as women and mothers and wives and parents and caregivers. I mean, it's just, there's so many pieces to the life and so much tension, you know, and how do we, how do we do all that? So for me to sit and write about my deep, deep love for my kids and also how they drive me completely batty. I mean, there'd be no better place to do it than sitting at the dining room table. (laughs) That's so perfect. Julie, this has been so amazing. The last question I like to ask people is to give some advice for anybody of any age who might be thinking about a career. But I would also say with libraries volunteering, because, you know, if you had time to do that, there are plenty of opportunities to be in the library space and working there, even if that doesn't necessarily have to be your kind of full-time job. So what advice would you give to somebody who listens to this and is like, I want to do what Julie does. What do I do now? Well, I would love that. I think I would reach out, first of all, to your public library and see what programs they have, especially in the summers. There's lots of ways to get involved. And also for young kids, or excuse me, like slightly older, preteen and teen to get involved. Sometimes they'll have younger page volunteers and ways that they can do that. So I would reach out to your public library if your school needs volunteers. I would reach out to your librarian and ask if they need help. 
And I think if you're interested, of course, there are plenty of excellent master's programs if you're interested in actually getting a master's in library science. But I think the best thing you can do is be a reader. I think just being someone that loves books and then finding ways to be involved, I think being open to maybe that was really confusing advice, but I think that that wasn't, it I thought mostly, that was quite clear. Okay, good. Yeah. I think mostly just being open to whatever might come your way, right? Like public library, they're not taking volunteers now. Okay, great. Try somewhere else because there's always someone that, that might need your help. And like our uh, library also has a really cool program called the book Le- book legger program mm-hmm. where those people are trained by the public library and then they come into schools and they do book talks oh, on fun. books and they give the kids a little bookmark and so they can find stuff. So yeah, lots of things. But I mean, if you're a lover of reading and words, then just go out there and find something that sparks joy for you. And that will really carry over. I love it. Julie, where can people find out more about you, your work, your book online? Let me just give out my address. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Deliveries I, of yes. baked goods can be sent to. I can be found at juliewritesWords.com. I'm mostly on Instagram, also at juliewritesWords. I'm very inactive on Twitter, so don't even bother for now. I'll let you know. But Instagram at juliewritesWords. You can listen to my podcast, Ask a Librarian, and that one, everything can be found on my website or on Instagram for those. And I highly recommend Julie's newsletter as well, which I am, I read almost no newsletters, but I read Julie's every week. So that makes me so happy to hear. I love writing that newsletter. Yes. I I love weekly newsletter. Yes. You can sign up on her website. (laughs) Julie, thank you for coming on my podcast. Maybe I'm going to become a librarian so I can come on your podcast soon. That sounds perfect. <laughs> Let's do it. It could be the sequel to your book. Exactly. That it's, could it's be a, your it would be next a true crossover. Internship. A true crossover. So, oh my gosh. Watch. I love that you referenced crossovers too. Like I remember when ER used to do those and I was like, this oh, is they're so exciting. exciting. I love them. Thank All you, right. friend. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for listening to Quit Your Day Job. We are a Zcast production and want to send huge thanks to the whole Zippy Books team for their support. You can find me on Instagram at Alicia F. Miranda. I would love to hear what you thought about this episode, any others, future jobs you want me to interview, or burning questions you think I should ask my upcoming guests. And if you decide to quit your day job, let me know that too.